everybody. Welcome to episode number 11 of The Third Power. <laughs> You're lying. <laughs> I just wanted to see how long you'd wait for me to say something. <laughs> We're learning new things in double digits, a.k.a. how long I'll wait. <laughs> how big of a jerk I am. Yeah. <laughs> Alrighty, yeah, it, like the last episode took a while for us to finally post it. In other words, for me to finally do it, but yeah, this one's, you know, we, we're back after like, what, two days or something? I don't know. Well, you know, now you got your sea legs under you over at Star City, I, you know, and, and kind of getting all your all your ducks in a row, and now we should be hopefully back to our normal uh, weekly production. Yep, there we go. And yeah, it should be, should be, uh consistent but yeah this uh the last episode you know about we were gushing about fun stuff uh in this episode we'll be talking about uh errata that people uh, have for their cube like uh you know like mtg ontario like they i think they had if not the i think they had like the first cube and they had a bunch of uh like interesting little addition like erratas and i think that kind of set the standard and I'll post a link on the show notes about, like, you know, erratas that people do, do that they did. But essentially, we'll be spending this episode talking about, uh, you know, cube errata, essentially. Right, and this can be things like uh, specific changes you've made to the card or uh, additional things you do with cards to get them to function in cube. Um, there's There'll be a few different things we'll talk about, but this isn't just reserved to, I changed the creature type of White Knight to make it a cleric, too, because he likes to help people. I don't know. You know, but this is going to include, you know, changes like that in addition to, additional to, like, functional errata, um, additional written errata, uh, adding text to cards, all that kind of stuff. Sweet. All right. Uh, before we start that off, last episode, we took a while to do it. And this, we'll try to, you know, Try maybe go a little faster, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, we'll, I mean, we'll we'll move it along, but you know, I I like to give the listeners a chance to kind of think about what they would pick here too, and and for us to talk a little bit about it as well. Uh, this would be super easy if if I knew all you guys out there, and maybe in the future we'll we'll have a thing where on a podcast you would look on your phone and it would show the picture of the pack we're talking about or things like that. But I know a lot of you guys or at least a significant number of people have contacted me about, hey, I listen to it at work, I listen to it while I'm on the, you know, driving to work or taking the bus or the train or, you know, walking somewhere. So and, you know, I know you guys don't have access to look at all these cards, which is why I like to, to read them all out and, and kind of talk about each one of them so you can get an idea of what, of what, we're, what we're going through here as well. So Yeah, the boss right, probably is. Yeah, I was about to say the boss probably won't be too happy if you're on like Magic Cards info and being like, "What's uh, what's Precursor going to do?" You're you're fired, Billy. <laughs> you're right you're out of here. Boss, your boss looks at him and is like, "Dude, Searing Blaze has two targets." <laughs> oh. Anyway, here we go. All right, so we're using my cube again since uh, I happen to have it right here with me and fresh off of a nice shuffle after uh, Star City uh, Atlanta. So here we go. All right, card one, Mishra's Factory. Solid. Card two, Goblin Welder. Also solid. Card three, 
Wooded Foothills. Hmm. Card four, Hive. Card hmm. five, Word of Seizing. Card six, Albino Troll. Number seven, Exotic Orchard. Hmm. Number eight, Sylvan Library. Oh, nice. Number nine, Elves of Deep Shadow. Number ten, Bone Shredder. Oh, nice. Eleven, Preordain. Twelve, Gruel Signet. Thirteen, Cultivate. Huh. Fourteen, Hero of Bladehold. Oh, wow. And 15, Future Sight. Wow. I was going to say almost everything in that pack, from what I could tell, could be uh, could be ganked with Inquisition of Kozilek, aside from the lands. And huh. ex- until the last two, yeah, I was like, everything's cheap. And then it was like Hero, Bladehold, and then... Uh, I Future forgot. Sight. Yeah, Future Sight. I remember it was a five. I was like, oh, okay, that kind of messes that up. Well, word, word of Seizing is a five also. Oh, right. And it messes that up even more. <laughs> That's all right. I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to burst your bubble there. Oh, it's all right. All right. Well, what are you thinking about this pack? Um, I look at it, and for me, if I'm going to take a land, it's not Exotic Orchard. It's either Wooded Foothills or Mishra's Factory. I like both of those cards a lot. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna eliminate Orchard. Um, I'm not too thrilled about taking Gruel Signet first here. Yeah, like, I think some people, like, they try to force the five-color thing, and, like, even then... You want to, yeah, like, I even then, think, I th- uh, think... Wooded Foothills is better for that, and Cultivate. Yeah, I was going to say, there are better options to do that, and I think going all-in on, like, a Signet in your first pick seems pretty... Like, you're, like, really committed to that strategy, then, and that just doesn't seem like, yeah, just one of the two other fixers are probably better for that. Right. Um... As far as the green cards go, we have uh, Elves of Deep Shadow, uh, Sylvan Library, Albino Troll, Cultivate. Um, I think even as a rock deck, I think I would rather have Cultivate over Elves of Deep Shadow. So I think I'm going to cut Elves of Deep Shadow. Yeah, I can get behind that. But the, I mean, the other three, I, I think are all are all pretty legit. Yeah, um, I could maybe see cutting Albino Troll as well. Like, I think I would rather have Cultivate than Albino Troll, maybe. Even maybe. if you want to be an aggressive deck? Well, I think, like, there's others. There's, like, uh, Hero, I think, is better for if you're going to go aggressive, I think. Okay. I guess that kind of foreshadows like that, but... Yeah, I don't know. I think in terms, like, Albino Troll is really great in any strategy. Like, you know, I, I'm happy to play it in mid-range or anything like that. But I just think overall power level, I think, cultivates higher, I think. I mean, I'm down. I mean, I, I don't mind cutting. I just I just wanted, you know, your your thoughts on the process. Um, okay. I do like Bone Shredder a lot. Um, I don't think I'm going to take Tithe here first pack, first pick. No. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and cut that one. Uh, Goblin Welder, I feel, is a nice build-around card that we can, we can think about. So I don't want to eliminate that one yet. Uh, Word of Seizing is one of my favorite cards. Uh, the effect is just so powerful and, and so unexpected. Um, yeah, the split second is and, and, like... and great stories. Kind of like, I mean, I don't play it, uh, Rite of Replication. kind of always has these great stories surrounding it. I feel like Word of Seizing has a lot of that to it, too. Um, yeah, like steal your Chandra. Right. And then exit on a creature. Right, like... 
steal your pernicious deed. Oh. Because you know, like, it's, it's target permanent, so... Yeah, yeah. There's there's a few interactions with that card, but I, I don't know if I'm first picking it over some of these other ones. Like I feel like if I'm a red deck, I would rather first pick Wooded Foothills than Word of Seizing. Yeah, I can get behind that. And then we have Preordain and Future Sight, uh, both of which I think are very solid cards. Uh, yeah, Future Sight used to be one of the kind of the the Holy Blue Trinity when we first started the cube. It was the there was the Holy Blue Trinity of uh, blue blue five-drop spells, and that was Future Sight, Bribery, and Treachery. And oh. it was like, if you, could, if you could wind up with, you know, multiples of one of the Holy Trinity, it was really hard to lose. And I think Future Sight has lost some value just because the cube has gotten better over the years, but it, it's it's such a powerful effect, even though it does pretty much lock you into blue. I, uh, I, I gotta say, I haven't lost many games where I've been able to untap a Future Sight and play. I was about to say, uh, you you resolve a future site and you can untap. I, I can't really think of many times. I, I have a feeling there's probably maybe one or two times, but it's not coming to mind. <laughs> like it's just so ridiculous. Especially uh, if you go like get land, uh, mana war or whatever. Like yeah, get a land, Venser, the the OG Venser or whatever. And I don't know. I I definitely think like they're both very like preordained and. Future Sight are very, really good cards. I think Preordain is one of those, like, more solid kind of role filler cards, but I think Future Sight is, like, one of those go big or go home. Sure. And I I, th- I think Future Sight is one that I'm, like, willing to put in the in the, in the contention pile. Sure. And, and I think I'd be first, you know, pack one, pick one, even though Preordain obviously leaves us a little more, quote-unquote, open to other colors. Um, I'm never unhappy about being blue in the cube. So I, I'm I'm okay with taking a heavy blue card and seeing if we can get there. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, I don't know. There, I think there's a lot of very good. So what we're left with so far, uh, for those of you guys keeping track, we're left with Factory, Foothills, Cultivate, Silver Library, Hero, Bone Shredder, Welder, and Future Sight. How many and cards? Like, is that, like nine. Yeah, this is the I, I, this is the the widest arrangement of uh, this is eight cards. This is like the widest arrangement of cards I think we've seen here. Uh, at this point of just kind of going through and eliminating. Wow. We just yeah. have, we just have a lot of cards left here. Um, well, I don't know. What do you, what do you think here about uh, about the pick? I think let's let's go ahead and, uh, and just jump ahead and. I think honestly, if I had to if I had to choose, you know, if it was like you know, gun to my head time, I think it would ultimately be for me between Future Sight and Hero Bladehold. Like I think Hero Bladehold okay. is so ridiculous. In aggressive strategies, uh, between the two, I don't know. I don't. I don't think people want to hear me oohing and on over what which of those and picks. I don't know, but it's it's really tough between those two for me. Like Welder, I, I think their other cards are all great. I mean, hell, that's why I chose them over the that's other. That's why they're in the cube together because we like them. Yeah, I don't know. I it may be just depend on the weather. You know, one of those depending on who I'm drafting with, depending on the weather, depending on yeah, you what know, other, you feel like drafting. Yeah, flip a coin, call uh, call Two Face or something, and have him, you know, see what side of the coin. But I don't know. If I guess if Edger I had, heads. yeah, I, I don't know. If I had to choose, I guess maybe Future Sight. But I don't know. It's hard. I guess it's quite hard. But that's yeah. All right. People who have. Uh, 
people who know me pretty well know that I love me a wooded foothills. Uh, you know, even wrote some alternate song lyrics to uh, Beverly Hills by uh, Weezer about <laughs> wooded foothills. I, I, have I shared that with you? You did, yeah. I don't know if I've, okay, cool. Yeah, it was uh, Tom Tom Lapille actually. Lapille actually used it in one of his articles, whatever. So <laughs> I love me a wooded foothills. But you know what? I'm just gonna. Um, all these cards are great. Like I'd be happy to take most of these. Like I don't think I'm not a cultivate pack one pick one guy. I'm probably not taking bone shredder. So like I, I feel like welder could still be good and will like could likely loop. But I don't really like taking that into account either. Factory is awesome. I think here for me, I think I'm just going to take Future Sight and try to get into blue because blue is awesome because, well, it's blue. Yeah, so. it's islands. I mean, they, But, you know, if people say they want to take a Foothills or they want to take a, a Mishra's Factory, which is also just very good, um, you know, I, I would have a hard time disagreeing with any of those, you know, very many of those picks. Especially, if, man, if you like The Rock, whew. There's lots of rocky picks in here. So. Oh yeah, totally. It's like but I'm going to take future sight and uh, and try to get there and 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 try to make it work because blue is sweet. How long? How? When was the last time we agreed on one of these picks? I'm trying to remember. <laughs> I don't know, well, most of the time we're good at getting down to the last two or so. Yeah, and then we kind of and then we diverge. And then we and then we diverge because we, it's like, well, I could take either one of these cards and be happy with it. But I think that for this one, I think I I think I'm just going to take future sight here. I was about to say, if we take out Future Sight, then, I don't know, we'll probably be here another ten minutes, and, man, that'll be that'll be a long time. <laughs> right, if you take out Future Sight, then it's like, well, so, Yeah, exactly. But I think Future Sight is just, has, just has such potential. Yeah, I think Lapilli, in, in his, because uh, his cube, you know, his, well, he can't update it because of, uh, you know, being, being at Watsi, but I, I remember on his page, he said something like, because he's running an unpowered list, and he said something along the lines of, this is probably the best card in my cube. And I'm like, sounds right. Yeah. Yeah, card like, is really good. Yeah. Unfortunately, I just wish Magus of the Future had a, had more toughness. Like, three toughness is so awkward. Yeah, that it is. And I I actually wound up taking out after being kind of unimpressive for a long time. I had a I had multiple games in a row where I had Future Sight in play mm-hmm. and had Magus of the Future also in play. <laughs> yeah. Wow. But, you know, unfortunately there's there's no stacking of the effects, but yeah, he's just a little too fragile for his for his mana cost. Like at least Teferi has four toughness, but yeah. Max of the Future only three for the for the five mana cost, so if only he had Magus right, well, of the Tabernacles. Do you wanna mention uh I'm sorry, what? I was gonna say if only he had Magus of the Tabernacles body, then I'd be happy. Like a two six, yeah, yeah. I would, I would like I it. Could, I could see that. Well, yeah. do you want to? Want to? We've had some uh, Neil Patrick Harris cards spoiled here recently. New Phyrexia. Uh, yeah. Did you want to talk about any of those real quick? I mean, I mean, I, I figure we'll do a, a full episode on a lot of these cards later on. But yeah, we, uh, do you want to give any first impressions about any of these for as they relate to Cube? The one, the big one, like the like the OMG huge one would be Karn. Like that guy's. Like I've. Like, you know, especially with, like, the podcast and, like, writing and stuff, I don't, you know, I don't really have much time. And so I've just been, but I was like, as soon as Karn came out, I'm like, I want to test to see how it is. And I've been very impressed, I, I got to say. Like, I proxied him up, I'm like, assuming the translation is correct, and I'm assuming that's correct. But it's, like, uh, do you want to describe the card for the people who 
you don't feel like checking well, the page? Well, sure. It's uh, it's obviously it's a it's a planeswalker, and uh, it is seven mana to play, and it starts with uh, six loyalty. Now, granted, like once again, this is all what we're hearing, uh, what we're looking at translation. Um, so seven mana, uh, planeswalker subtype Karn starts with loyalty six, and uh, it's three effects. That's uh, a plus four. Target player exiles a card from his or her hand. There's a minus three exile target permanent. And then the minus 14 is the ultimate. Set aside all non-aura permanents exiled by Karn and then restart the game. Then put all cards set aside this way onto the battlefield under your control. So basically, it's kind of like upheaval, but sorry, it's a combination between like upheaval and Shahrazad. Yeah. But you get a head start on the game because you're getting all those permanents, which pretty much if you're activating this ability, most likely you've won. I mean, it, it seems really hard. Just like all the, all the people who've ever played with upheaval into permanence afterwards, you realize when you restart the game and you have a head start on things, especially if one of those permanents was a finisher or a mm-hmm. very large creature or, you know, anything of that, anything of that nature, it comes real hard to lose the game when you just get to, you know, start the game over that way. Yeah, like uh, so. I tested him out in like a black, uh, black red, no, black green rock deck versus like an aggro deck. Like it was like a white red aggro deck or something. And like one of the things I, I mean, the really, I mean, it's really nice for Karn to be able to. Or I think I tried it in a rock deck, and I think I tried it maybe like in a black, black, a uh, blue control deck. But you know, it's also like the effect to be able to. Even if it's just a 2x Vindicate, I mean, it exiles too, which is like, you know, nice worm coil engine, a nice, uh, champion yeah, dragon. Part. Yeah, and, you know, whatever you and I were texting about that, we're like, you said, like, nice Kamigawa dragons. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> exactly. But I mean, even if you just go Vindicate, whatever, Vindicate your Sulfuric Vortex, Vindicate your whatever, like, that's, that's good. Like, I'm on board with that, but, like, the, it gains loyalty when you're riding that wave. If you go, like, uh, vindicate something, vindicate something from their hand. Vindicate permanent, whatever. And I found, and granted, I didn't have, like, the most testing in the world, but I almost never found that I went Shahrazad with it. Like, most of the time, it was just, like, you get them up to a huge amount of loyalty, and then you just vindicate every, like, a ton of stuff. It's like, you got a blocker for my uh, Sphinx. It's like, kill it. Next turn, kill it. Next turn, kill it. I mean, if you get, I think, like, most of the time, even if you just exile, like, the hand abilities, like, if you're, like, the threat of it being able to go ultimate is really interesting, because with, like, Liliana Vest, for example, like, most of the time you'll either pitch, like, a land, which is useless, or, like, a finisher that you will never be able to cast or something. It's like, well, I'm not casting this, uh... Primus anytime soon, or Terastodon, so, meh, I'll pitch this. Uh-huh. But, like, I, I think, like, both of those, both of those uh, modes of the discard are really useful post, uh, post-ultimate. post Like, okay, I'll start the game with a, uh, even if you don't start with, like, a Grave Titan, which is ridiculous, starting the game with a Grave Titan, it's like, attack, six, you know, untap. Well, no, you'll you'll actually have the two tokens, because it says restart the game, then put them onto the battlefield under your control. Oh! So they actually do something to play. 
according to the text that I'm looking at. Obviously, this can be completely different. The, yeah. You know, the, the original text might say, start with the exile permanents in, in play. You know what I mean? Or exile cards in play. I don't know. Yeah. But, but I think, like, we, yes. No, for sure. Yeah, say you they, they exile a Grave Titan because they'll never be able to cast it. Or even if you do on yourself and you're able to craft that hand where it's like, I'll uh, exile a Morphling or something and then just go crazy post whatever. Like, I think that's really interesting. But I think even, like, when you're riding the wave, if you're just going, like, uh, plus to get out of burn range, especially when you get it up to 10, like, an aggro, you know, unless you have, like, a pulse or a, Vindicate or something. It's almost it's so hard to kill it with damage. Like it's like ten versus a red mage. You're like, well, okay, I'll attack you. <laughs> that card's right. Well, going it away. also just seems completely backbreaking uh, in, in a control mirror. Oh where god, if you, yeah. You keep this guy on board, and you're taking threats out of their hand or things like that. It just nothing. If you can't interact meaningfully with it. Uh, because you don't have creatures on the board or or, or anything like that. It just seems like it'd be just so backbreaking. Um, yeah, it kind of reminds me a little bit of Venser. Like if they if they can't interact with it because he ramps up pretty quickly, and like once he gets in emblem mode, it's like okay, you're dead. And you know, I think it's kind of like that way where it's very hard. You know, it's hard enough to attack Karn. But, I don't know, it just, it's, yeah, it's just so hard to attack into him. And, yeah, especially, like, Liliana is so good in the control mirror, or mid-range mirror, and just Karn is just, like, a step above, I think. But, I mean, it's it's kind of like a little game I'm playing in my head. It's like, which do I like better, Karn or Battlesphere? And between those two, I don't know, but I'm including both in my cube for sure. <laughs> like, it's so good. Yeah, I mean, Karn seems, obviously, just very good and, you know, gives the... The artifact deck and, you know, the ramp deck's another toy to play with. And I don't know. It just seems to me like it's going to be worth a billion dollars foil. So oh, we'll yeah, see good, how that one works out. Good luck getting one right, of those in foil. You want to mention? Uh, one of the ones, like, I saw, like, Scream Whip, the living weapon with, like, you know, Light Nightmare Leash. Like, at first I was, you know, I love living, living weapon. It's probably one of my favorite mechanics. And, you know, I, I love Bone Horde. But, I don't know, Scream Whip, like... The four mana thing is so awkward, unfortunately. Like, it's not, like, and I think I posted on Twitter about it. Like, four mana in black is so competitive. Like, you just have, like, so much good stuff. Uh, skin Render, Necrotal, Consuming Vapors, Nether Void, uh, Persecutor, uh, all this all this fun stuff. Juzom Jin, Plague Sliver. And then there's, like, this guy. And it's like, oh, uh, huh. I mean, and the ability to equip is nice, but I don't know. I think, I don't know, it just doesn't seem good enough. Like, it seems good, but I don't think it's good enough to breach that four mana wall in black. Yeah, four mana is just so good. And, you know, they're, it, it, I think that having to interact, you know, at least uh, Bonehorde interacts with dead creatures, which most colors will tend to have, while this one only interacts with swamps. And while... Um, Obviously, it interacts favorably with them. I, I never thought to, con- to include Nightmare Lash. Um, and this is basically very similar. I mean, even the art is somewhat similar. The Living it's Weapon gives it a little bit extra value. But I, I don't know. Like, Bonehorde, I just feel, is the superior version of this card. And I've, I've long ago given up on trying to run a whole lot of linears in the cube. 
Um, maybe if I still ran my mono black linear, this would be an option, but I'm not. So yeah, it's like a again, Phyrexian. Deserve the right to change my mind, but I think I'm. I I don't feel like I'm going to change my mind about this one. Yeah, like, and it's the same with that Phyrexian canceller or whatever the uh, the Phyrexian negator. Oh, the, like the quad negator. Black. Yeah, it's just like quad black is so so awkward. Like, uh, right. man. I don't know if you have, when if you have mono black thing going on, then yeah. If you have a mono black thing going on, that guy is you know an auto include. I think because yeah. it's so ridiculous. But quad black is, and I don't know. I mean, once again, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the 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 body and everything's big enough and important enough. But man, is that thing hard to cast? Like people complain about you know trips black, you know for necropotence and, and uh, gatekeeper. Uh, the, the, yeah, for gatekeeper, but. I don't know. We'll see. But uh five five trample for four mana with a, a very powerful effect like that, I, I yeah, think like, is is not something to ignore. But I'm just I, I don't know yet. I, yeah. I don't know what the correct yeah. And it's also four mana, you know. I'm yeah. I remain skeptical. And the other two that I was thinking of was Urabrosk, the uh, five mana Praetor guy. You like all your creature five mana for four four. All your dudes have haste. All your opponents' dudes come to play tapped. Like I don't know. Uh, that guy seems very good for like multiplayer cubes. Oh wow, yeah, that's true. Hadn't thought of that. But I don't know. I think like in a singleton cube, I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't know. It's like five mana. That whole fires effect is really diminished. As opposed to like something like Sarkin or something, or like a three mana. Right, right, right. It's not like you're actually casting Fires of Yavimaya on turn two or three, and then casting four Blastoderms and Sapperling Bursts and and other big cards that cost more than it. I mean, I guess you have dragons or whatever, but like dragons probably don't need haste. And also too, you know what your opponents aren't going to be playing. Like if this if this effect were like a lot cheaper, you know, then then it would, I you know. Interact very meaningfully because blockers that your opponents play are going to be are going to come down tapped and, and things of that nature. But I don't know; it just seems a little on the a little on the slow side to me, I guess. Yeah. Uh, the last one's that spell splitter, uh, two mana, O4 wall, or it's actually it's not a wall; it's a horror without defender. But it's like spend a Phyrexia blue mana, so you can pay either a blue mana or two life to have target spell or ability. That would target with a single target targets him. I think it's something like that. Yeah, it's uh, let me let me pull up what the the actual uh, what they're saying is the translation. Change the target, change a target, not single target. Change oh. a target of target spell or ability to spell skitter. Huh. So basically, if someone. Uh, Searing blazes. Uh-huh. Since we were just talking about that, if someone yeah. searing blazes, you can have it searing blaze that instead. If someone taps an icy manipulator, you can have it target that instead. Um, if someone tries to, you know, pants their guy, you can target it instead. Oh, uh, or equipment. Well, equipment you can only equip your own creatures, so I don't think so. It's not a legal target because it's not your own creature. No, you can't equip your opponent's creatures. You have to equip creatures that you control. That's true. Oh. But if they um, Rancor, well, they'd be kind of dumb to do it in that scenario. <laughs> right. I mean, but you know what I mean? It, it, it interacts those kinds of ways. It's kind of like, uh, I don't know how many of you guys were uh, around for 
um, Apocalypse. Apocalypse, right. You know, there were the flag bearers, um, Coalition Honor Guard, that was the 2444, and then there was the, the 1142. And basically, uh, those just said, uh, when choosing targets as part of a casting a spell or activating an ability, your opponents must choose at least one flag bearer on the battlefield, if able. That's the new Oracle text. Oh, okay. So, you know, you have to target it first. And as an O4, that, I mean, that can be, that can be a real problem for, for burn decks. I mean, oh, yeah. for things that are only dealing two and three at a time, um, having to re, having to reroute everything through that guy, it could be a problem. I mean, I think this is a, this is a card with potential. Um, I, I can already tell you, I don't know if it's good potential, but it's definitely, uh, uh, PETA potential, you know, pain in the ass potential. Oh, yeah, that's so, true. Like, uh, it's definitely, like, if it was an 05, that would just be the biggest nightmare for burn decks ever. It would be like, oh, no. Well, never... yeah, I think that's why it's not an 05. Yeah, but, <laughs> but I, think, I think it's going to be, I don't know. It's definitely going to be interesting in, like, standard, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I'm I mean, standard. I have no it, idea, honestly. Unfortunately, things like go for the throat, you know, not a legal target or whatever, so. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, two-man artifact, dude. Yeah. But I don't know. It's it, it's definitely got some potential. It's nice that you could cast it on turn two and still activate the ability, or you can tap out and cast it and still activate the ability. I think there's some value in that. Um, that you don't actually need the blue mana up, but I, I think it's very interesting. I mean, I I would like to to try it out at some point and see how it is. And and unfortunately, I don't know what else more to say about it right now other than. It's uh, it's intriguing for sure. Yeah, definitely doesn't help the aggressive decks. However, yeah, definitely. Although maybe it does. If, if you're playing the you know that uh, that uh, aggressive mirror man, any point in time you can just cack one of their removal spells without playing without having to play blue to have to target that guy. I don't know. Might be might be all right. Yeah, definitely. For those of you sideboards, might might be a cool card in the aggro mirror. Doesn't attack, but. If you can reroute, if they have to play around you rerouting their spells, seems like it might be all right. Yeah, nice burn spells you got there. Try to get me to whatever, get me to eight, and it's like the assumption to be able to burn them out isn't as prevalent, I guess. Or you can't rely on it as much with one of those guys out. But it's definitely worth a shot. Right. But yeah, let's yeah, uh, so, uh, well, let's move on. Yeah, let's get to the nitty gritty. So. Uh, talking about Cuberata in general, I just wanted to make a pseudo disclaimer here. Um, and, and this is just the way I feel about Cube in, in general. I like my Cube to be very good, to play very good cards. Um, however, I am not above some silliness. Uh, obviously, I play some cards that a lot of people poo-poo or, you know, don't really disagree with and say, well, how can you, how can you say you know a lot about Cube but you decide to run on this card? Well, you know what? I, I kind of like a little bit of silliness. I've, I've been playing competitive magic for a really long time. Um, and so I, I get enough of my competitive juices there. And while I like cube games to be competitive, I also like to have them to have a little bit of a goofy edge to them too. I, I don't mind that. That doesn't, you know, bother me that someone does entertaining things. So. Well, also kind uh, of like, like back in the day, like it was, like I don't know if you ever played Chandelar. Like, oh, sure. The, yeah, that the rules didn't work correct, and you could have like six black lotuses in your opening hand, and yeah, it's it's, it's I don't know how to quite articulate the feeling. Like it was kind of one of those 
or maybe like the feeling like when I was playing like way back in the day, like in '95 or something, where it had kind of this like I don't know if I'd say it's Wild West kind of feeling, but where everything wasn't so rigid and set in stone. I mean, you know, I, I definitely agree. Like, I definitely like want my cube to be really awesome and all that fun stuff. And I used to run some of these errata as well, but I don't anymore. And I'm not being, I, I didn't do it because like, grr, I, I I disapprove. It's just you know, it wasn't my thing. But you know, I, I definitely, sure. I definitely agree. So you know, I and you know, and if I if, if if I talk about these and I say I don't, you know, I'm sure at some point I'm going to say, yeah, I don't know if I agree with this or I don't know whatever. But for me, for the most part, man, if you want to do, you know, it's your cube. You can do whatever you want with it. Um, we're you know we're just here to try to help you, you know, figure out what's right for your cube. And but if you find some, you know, some of these might be fun to do, awesome. If you want to be a super purist about it, and I don't change cards ever, and that's not what they're intended, you know what, that's fine too. Uh, the main purpose of this is just kind of let you guys know what's out there and, you know, what other people, including myself, friends of mine, Usman, friends of his, uh, found to be changes or things that enhanced our play experience, I guess would be a, a good way of putting it. So Sounds right, yeah. So now what I did was as I was thinking about this, I, I think there's a bunch of different things you can do. Um, and, and so I kind of divided them into some categories. Uh, and the first category I wanted to talk about, because it's really not that involved, but is what I like to call the additional card category. Um, and these erratas are for are things that people do that allow you to add additional cards to your deck. Um, the most common examples Probably the most recent example would be Squadron Hawk. Um, if you, some people play, if you draft a Squadron Hawk, um, you will be, you're allowed to add three more Squadron Hawks to your deck. Um, another recent one would be Nissa Ravane. Um, if you draft Nissa Ravane, you get a bank of Nissa's Chosens that you can put into play. Because otherwise, Nissa Ravane wouldn't do anything really. You know what I mean? Like, hey, you have, some cards. Obviously, the card would still be good in like a tribal cube because you have, you know, an elf tribal. Um, but otherwise, the card wouldn't do anything. Um, now, there's some other ones I've seen too. Um, I mentioned uh, as we were talking pre-show about artifact lands that there are some people who allow you if you were drafting an artifact deck or who include affinity type cards um, that you can use artifact lands for your deck. Now, what was the one, the land thing that, that you saw? Uh, the one that, and I kind of, I did this in my cube as well, like with, like, you know, where I have my lands, but they, you know, the, all the basic ones count as snow-covered basics. And, like, so cards like uh, Scred, for example, you know, it's one, it's one red mana, uh, instant, uh, deal damage to target creature uh, equal to the number of snow-covered ba- permanents you have. In essence... However many basics you have, right? And so it's like scred deals. Although you know some of the creatures and things like that have have snow creature or snow permanent on them as well. So yeah, there was like viper. The only ones I like viper, which is you know good no matter what, and uh, ironfoot. The one that was yeah, like yeah, ironfoot. There was the uh, the mana rock also. The which the, one? Uh, the the mana rock. The two mana comes in the play path. Name a color. And it produces... Oh, right. A Cold Steel Heart? Yeah, that was it. Okay. And there was, like, Stalking Yeti also. 
It was like right, two and two red. The flame tongue ass guy. Yeah. He was like arena a creature when he came into play, and you could bounce it back for his snow. But it, I mean, even without snow, he was fine. But yeah, there was, you know, the, it was it definitely added some like interesting stuff to it. Like I think there's somebody who drafted my cube, and then was like, he, he didn't ask until afterwards, like why do you have spread in here? And it's like, and I opened my and I had like written inside of my 5K box, I'm like all snowlands are basics, and I okay. think I think like he asked like why. Why do you have a, sn- a spread here just pointed to where I had it written, which was open the entire uh-huh. time? I was like, snow-covered lands are basics. Read, people. Right, but they read the cards, and they didn't say snow-covered lands. So. And this, and that's another thing I think we should talk about maybe a little bit, too, is how some of these changes affect new people to your cube group. Because, you know, I, I'm, I probably would, unless someone mentioned it to me, I wouldn't think to, to look at somebody's box. You know what I mean? I'm just going to be looking at the cards I'm drafting and you know what I mean? If, it, now, if I see a snow permanent, I might in fact then ask, which is what that guy did. But I, I think some of these things you need to keep in mind and let people know about your cube ahead of time. For example, if I don't ask ahead of time, or let's say I'm not, I don't cube very often, you know, I'm good guy at your store who wants to cube, who's done it a couple times and thinks it's cool. And I see a Nissa Ravane and I just think, or I see a squadron Hawk and I think to myself, well, you know what? I'm not drafting this card. You know how hard it's going to be to get all these other cards I need without yeah. realizing that they come with it. So I think those are things that if you're going to do these kinds of erratas that you need to need to let your your uh, your play group, whoever that might be, each draft know that that's actually how it works. Or maybe you need to uh, put it on the card as well so people know what's going on. Uh, information is king, so you just have to just have to let people know. Same thing with the artifact lands or snow lands. Uh, let people know what's up. Um, I'm not a big fan of the of the adding cards thing, especially with planeswalkers because you know, I, I the more planeswalkers that come out, man, almost every single one of them is a cube inclusion, and mm-hmm. I don't know when we're gonna we're, we're we're not close to it yet, but I don't know when we're gonna hit that point where there's just gonna be too many of them. So I don't mind having excuses to exclude some of them. I don't know. I think That's just, I don't know. I I'd say I think I'd say eventually we'll get to the point where uh, planes they'll be you know, critical mass, or you'll be at a point where there's, like, so many wraths, for example. Like, I think it might be one of those kinds of things where you can only, you have so much of a certain effect, and then Planeswalkers might be another one of those things. Because most of them are pretty universally playable, aside from, like, uh, Karn, I wouldn't play an aggro, of course. Or, like, Soren, I wouldn't really want to play an aggro. Or, I don't know, uh, uh, Liliana, I don't think I would, like, maybe play her an aggro or something, but... I think for the most part, a lot of them are pretty universal, but I don't know. Like, I don't mind having excuse. I don't mind having a reason to exclude it. I don't feel obligated to to accommodate the card to try to get it into my cube. I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, where it's like I like or to try to emulate its functionality or its uh, function that it has in, like, right, in, in a constructed format. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm okay with cards functioning differently in cube than they do in constructed. And also, you know, I am sure people are going to be so tired of Squadron Hawk if they're not already. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially if they play any Type 2 and it's starting to creep into some other formats as well. So, yeah, even, even like I said, right. I don't really play Standard. I'm just like, it just seems to the point where every white deck has four Hawks, and it's like, okay. And then... Yeah, as it turns out, uh, cards are pretty good. Yep. Drawing cards is pretty good. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I don't play a ton of standard, unfortunately, because I don't have a lot of time to do it. But I'm playing the the blue, black, white, you know, Cobblade deck, and it's it's nice. Let me tell you. Granted, I, mainly because I get to play Stoneforge Mystic, but hey, there you go. Squadron Hawks are pretty neato too. Let me tell you. All right. Well, let's. I think that I mean, and there may be if you guys know of other people who do things like this. By all means, let us know so we can kind of spread the word and, and kind of get all that information out there. So if you know people who do the whole additional card thing where you can add cards to your deck, let us know in the forum, let us know in the thread, let us know on the blog, let us know in the email, let us know on Twitter, on the Twitter, you know. <laughs> yeah. Let us know because, you know, we, we kind of want to know about it too. So uh, the next uh, grouping I have listed are functional errata. And these are things that you actually change the card how it works in order to accommodate it um, in the cube setting or to have it make more sense or to make it good enough for cube. Um, and the one you mentioned right away uh, when I when I talked about this category were the wishes. Yeah, like... What, uh... what have you seen that people do with wishes? Sometimes, like, and I think I asked this on uh, on the forums, like, when I was considering doing, like, I think when I was just planning on running, like, Living Wish was, like, how is it used in, like, Limited, for example? And I think it was just, like, like if you drafted it during a Odyssey draft, you pretty much just get it from your side. You check your sideboard for whatever, because Living Wish was where you can get any land or creature from your sideboard and put it in your hand. So for that one, like... You know, I was like, well, okay, I might run that, and eventually just didn't get uh, run for power reasons. But some of the erratas that people do, for example, uh, like, if you have a wish, you can search the, uh, like, all of the undrafted cards for a whatever, like a land or a creature. And the same with any of the other wishes, you know, cunning, living, uh, death wish. I don't think death wish is worth playing ever. Yeah, no one's playing golden wish or, or, golden or death wish. wish. Yeah, it was sure. like cunning, a burning, which was the other one. Yeah, right. So essentially, searching the side, the undrafted cards for uh, whatever wish, whatever wish target, or golden wish, the one multicolored one. But I don't know. I think eventually I kind of shied away from that because it just takes forever. When I was running the erratas, and I, I was just like, that just takes forever. It's just like cast living wish. Okay, hand you the box. Go for broke. Right. Yeah, some people, and I know some people play it where you can only search your sideboard, um, kind of like how it worked in Constructed. Uh, I've seen where you're allowed to search your sideboard and your opponent's sideboard. Um, and I've also heard it where you can, uh, friends of mine in Vegas had a, a very large cube with a, a very amusing name that I probably shouldn't say on the air. Let's yeah. just say they called it, let's just say they called it the F box. Oh. <laughs> in order to, you know, if if you if you wanted to, in order to ask you if you wanted a game, they would just come up to you and say, "Hey, you want to f?" <laughs> yeah, dude. So you go and draft it, and they just did it where they would just you know pick up a pile of cards, and you weren't allowed to basically spend all day searching for the perfect card. You were able to just pick it up, and the first thing that you found that was decent, like you just ran with it. You know, you it's just kind of like a tainted pack. Don't be a jerk about it, basically. Yeah, makes sense. So that's the that's the way they ran it. Uh, another one I've seen uh, done a lot is Chaos Orb, where uh, I, I think, I don't know who it was, was it Tom? Yeah. Or somebody decided to run it as a, basically a colorless, non-targeting Vindicate. Do I have that right? 
Yeah, and I think the guys in MTG Ontario did it as well. Like, they did that, where it was, like, you don't target. It was just, like, spend two and spend one to destroy a permanent. So, like, if they have a North Street, it's like, okay, too bad. Nothing's dead. Right. Yeah, and that seems kind of weird to me. Um, also, too, like, I don't know. I think flipping cards around might be kind of fun. I don't know. Well, it just uh, seems like, uh, I don't know. I, I would hate to take that aspect out of the card. Um but then again, you know, I don't know, maybe you could do something like, and I don't know, you know, I don't play the card. Well, uh, I, don't want to, I don't want to deal with it necessarily, but maybe you can do something where you could flip it, and then if you flip it, whatever it hits, you get to pick one of those cards that it's on. Doesn't you know it just I mean? destroy like, everything that it touches, though? Like, if you're going to yeah, do the flipping thing... Like, the card actually says, you know, but then it leads to people, like, spreading their permanents out across the entire table. It leads to a bunch of, like, well, I'm going to put my cards on the floor. I'm going to, oh, you know, geez. space them all out so they're all equidistant from each other, and a, a card can't possibly land on two. You know what I mean? It, it just causes a bunch of logistical issues, which, yeah. you know, it's... I mean, I like Chaos Orbs, a cool card and all, but I don't know. One time totally. I, I I recently drafted uh, Eric McCormick, uh, you know the Watchman, who you know Eric sure. on MTG cast. Like I drafted his cube and he's running Chaos Orb, and okay. like I drafted it early. Like I was like, why are people passing Vindicate? That card's ridiculous. And then I forgot until like we were actually drafting that you know he he ran it you know as it actually is you know as the whole like you you flip it kind of thing. Okay. And I was like, oh. I'll still run it. Still seemed pretty good. And, like, one of the more interesting things is, like, I had it in play, and, like, you know, my, I attacked with some big, I was, like, it bl- blue, blue-green blue splashing a few things. Like, I think it was splashing white for uh, some kind of removal spell, and, like, black for, like, Chainer's Edict or something. But, like, I, I attacked with some dude, like, I think a Stomp Howl or something, and he double blocks in with, like, a, a couple knights or a couple tutus, and I'm like, you know, when he double block, I'm like, flip Chaos Orb, and he's like, uh-oh, and I hit one of the dudes, and then it, you know, then I, yeah, I hit one of the knights or whatever, and then, you know, it was a 4-4 versus a 2-2, so I was like, kill that one guy. And then there was another match when I played versus somebody else, where I think I was trying to hit a creature, like, he had a Venser going ultimate, you know, he was going to go to ultimate, and I think he had a creature with a sword of light and shadow blocking, and, and I think, okay. like, when I tried to flip the Chaos Orb, I'm like, okay, I'm going to try to hit the creature with it. And I think I missed one time, and I think I might have e-witnessed it back. And then I think I tried to hit Venser, but instead I hit the creature instead. And I was like, nice! Let's get there, and then, you know, attack Venser and then kill them. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah it was just like, like... I mean, the, cards, the card definitely seems amusing. That's for sure. Yeah, it definitely is. It was just, like, really one of those interesting kind of things. But, you know, it's... Yeah, it's, it, like, that mode I thought was interesting, but yeah, most of the time when I've seen it, it's one of those more, it's used more often as a colorless vindicate. It's, like, one of the more, quote-unquote, acceptable uh, erratas that I see. And that kind of brings us to the next one, uh, Contract from Below. And this that's one I used to run also. Uh, the, the card originally uh, essentially says, discard your hand for one black mana, please note. One black mana... Discard your hand, draw seven, and then ante your next card. But well, it's 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 discard, then add the next, add the top card of your library to the ante, and oh. then draw seven. Okay. The thing is, is that the card actually says the first line on the card says 
remove contract from below from your deck before playing if you're not playing for anti. Huh, okay. So you basically have to basically discard the entire first line if you want to play it. Unless you guys play for cube anti, like everybody has their cube, and then... Yeah, most of the time when I've seen it used is like instead of anting, if you just exile the top card. Right, but that's, I mean, that drawback is one black draw seven, discard your hand, who cares? Yeah, it's a one-sided Wheel of Fortune. Right, and and that just seems a bit absurd. I mean, I, I I would almost be able to get down or, you know, understand... If uh, if that card said um, exile it from like if you had to exile it from your deck and you could basically only use it once during your cube draft, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. that makes more. And granted, the card's still retardo busted, but like I, I think that errata would make more sense to me. Of remove contract below from your deck, like you have to add a basic land or whatever, you know, for the next game or for the rest of your cube game. So you only get to use it once per cube draft. Um, and then you have to remove the top card, I guess, too. I, I don't know. It just seems like you, you need a bigger drawback for <laughs> one yeah. black draw set. It's, it, it's almost um, a non-existent drawback. Like, this just, yeah, so ridiculous. Like, it, it curbs Somps Ancestral, like, or at least it's... It, it's much better than Wheel of Fortune for sure. Like, but it's just like when I ran that, I was, it was probably probably the best black card in in yeah. the cube. And then eventually, I was just like, eh, I don't. I think I purged that when I, you know, when when I did took away all the erratas. I'm like, eh, I'm not gonna miss contract going because that card was just stupid. But that's a card that you know, if you guys really want to play it and you wanted to change it. I think something closer to using it, only being able to use it once the entire draft is is a better way, is a... Granted, the card's still, you know, you're probably winning the game you cast it, but at least you're only getting to cast it once. Yeah, you, you essentially get a cube draft emblem while, right, while you have it. I love the death contract. Well, I don't know. Yeah. All right, uh, another one black card that I wanted to talk about, which I think is one of the more powerful cards, is Booster Tutor. Um, Booster Tutor, you know, is an uncard that, uh, you know, one black instant and lets you, uh, says, the, the way the card reads, it says, um, excuse me, says, open a sealed magic booster pack, reveal the cards, and put one of those cards into your hand. Uh, basically, you know, they want you to open a pack of magic cards. The thing is, is when you're cubing, the only packs that exist are cube packs. So, you know, we just opened it to, we just all, you know, changed it to, uh, that the sealed pack is a cube pack. You know? Pretty, yeah, that's how I ran why it. Would I, why would I want to open a Zendikar pack and spend money or use product that I can use for drafting when I can just open a pack of sicko cards instead? Mm-hmm. So, also a, also a, uh, for those of you, for your, uh, BCM, BCSM audience out there, it's a fun one to put on, uh, Ice Crown Scepter. Oh, wow. There you go. Good game. Which is, I mean, it, it happened multiple times, and it's uh, oh. it's about as unfair as it sounds. Yeah, it's pretty ridiculous. Like, so, essentially, it's it's you're, you're getting a first pick during a draft. Right. And it's like, like, I used to run that as well, and it was just, there was some, a lot of times it was like, sure, uh... End of turn booster tutor? Like, I would first pick that thing all the time, because it's so flexible. Oh, yeah. 
For like, sure. And I mean, and granted, there are plenty of times, too, where I've booster tutored and just taken the land because that's what I need. Huh. Makes sense. Like, hey, I'm keeping this two-lander with booster tutor. I don't draw my third land on time and I really need it. I'll just booster tutor and hope I hit a land. And then sometimes yeah. you like you, you hit a bounce land and you're like, we did it. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. So <laughs> nice. So it's, like you it. know, it's a fun card that you know, like I said, it's it's just got some functional. I mean, or you, I mean, if you want, you can play it straight up how it is. I just you know don't enjoy. I would just rather open. You know, I'd rather play crack a pack with it than opening a pack of. You know, I would rather play our version of crack a pack than limited resources version of crack a pack. I guess. Yeah, and I think uh, that was the thing Eric McCormick did also. Like he he, he brings packs. With him when he does the crack a pack, I mean when he does the booster tutor, but mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. Like I, again, I don't I don't know if I would take that card that highly if I was to be cracking like an unpack like an unglued or unhinged or whatever. I would like rather just have a cube pack and have that flexibility. Yeah, of course, because I mean, pretty pretty confident in saying that the power level of a cube pack is higher than any other pack in in history. Pretty so. much, even if it's like. Alpha or something like I don't yeah, know. Yeah, don't care. Nice yeah. chaos lace. Yeah, nice. <laughs> nice veteran. Uh, nice personal incarnation. I was thinking about that, but yeah, personal incarnation. That card. Oh, so bad. So nice death lace. Yeah. Well, nice. sticking with the sticking with the un, there's there's a few more un cards too that that people uh, will change how the card works. Uh, the first pair. Uh, kind of go together in my mind. That's Blacker Lotus and Chaos Confetti. Um, both of these cards require you to basically rip up your card. <laughs> yeah, essentially. And, uh, magic players don't really like doing that that much, so a lot of people will run those cards as you have to remove it from the game, uh, remove it from your deck for the remainder of the match, you know, things of that nature. Kind of similar to what we were talking about with Contract from Below. Cards like, you know, with Chaos Confetti, I know someone who actually kept a torn up Chaos Confetti that you could use if you drafted the Chaos Confetti. So you were still, like, you had to remove it from your deck or whatever for the rest of the cube draft. But you had a free torn up one that you could use that they kept in, like, a little baggie or whatever, along (laughs) with the token and the dice and whatever. And you could use that to, uh, to play with the card. Okay. That's one way around that one if, if you're if you're so inclined, is that card so, worth anything? Uh, Chaos confetti? Yeah, probably like a bug. Um, no, I I I don't know because it seems to be you know uh, for example uh, like blacker lotus is only like you know three three four bucks or whatever sure. it is. Um, the the actually the oversized blacker okay. lotus is actually worth significantly more. All those oversized cards seem to you too. get some value. But yeah, Chaos confetti is like a quarter. Okay, I um, remember like uh, looking online, it's like a quarter. But every place I look, it says they're out of stock. Mm. So I guess oh. if everyone decided they wanted this card in their deck, then maybe the price would go up because the Which supply everyone? would go down. But yeah, I, like, I, I think it was only common too. So I don't probably. I don't think there was, yeah, it was a common. I so you know if you want to play with that card, that's another way to deal with it, I suppose. What uh, about? Uh, I know a lot of people who use uh, super secret pack. Um, Actually, our super secret pack was uh, once again. I'll, I'll explain the card so so you got in case you guys don't know what it is. Uh, super secret pack was actually a um, a random insert card. It was actually card number 141 out of 140 in the unhinged set. So it was basically you know uh, 
like the ultra rare of the set. Um, and what it is, it's a foil card. It only comes in foil. And what it says, it is a three-mana artifact, and it says all premium spells cost one less to play. All premium creatures get plus one, plus one. So uh, at the time, premium was, you know, foil cards. But, you know, uh, now, you know, you could change that definition how you want. I know people that use uh, premium being if you have uh, altered cards, like artist altered cards, uh, if you have special promos that are non-foil, like some of the uh, the full art cards, some people consider those premium. The textbook definition of premium by Wizards is uh, are the foil cards. Um, but the other thing, too, is that this card is symmetrical. Um, and if, so if your cube is all foil, then it's not really going to do you much good. So I know people who actually make it unsymmetrical, which means, you know, only oh. your... Only your premium spells cost less. Only your premium creatures cost more. Um, Isn't that like Super Mirari's Wake then? Yeah, I mean it doesn't let your it doesn't make your land well, dou- more mana. Yeah, I was about to say it doesn't double your mana, but I mean uh, maybe like it's a duration. Pretty unfair. I mean, yeah. it's pretty unfair if it's not symmetrical. Um, and you know, I could see if let's say if your cube is is not all foil, if it's only you know partially foil. Maybe you can run this card and then, you know, run the draft the shiny cards, you know, play the rack, you know, do a raccoon draft and try to get all the shiny things. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's a card that people like and it's, you know, it's interesting and it's funny. So, and those are some of the ways I've seen people play with it in order to, to break the symmetry or have it be an attractive thing that you'd want to draft, I guess. Is what I'm trying yeah. To say. We have the incentive to kind of thing. Exactly. Now you said the you were looking on the MTG Ontario with those guys. You said they also had some other uh, some other cards they changed, right? Like things like I think you'd mentioned Rook Egg. Yeah, I think Rook Egg. It was kind of they had an errata where it was like I think it was something like if you discarded it, you get a four four. Like if it goes to the graveyard from your hand as anyway. well. Oh okay. Or like if you yeah if you like Wild Mongrel pitch it, you get a four four for free. It's like okay that, that seems fair. <laughs> I don't know. I, that just yes. Yeah, Suchi, I thought was another one. Is that the one that makes four mana? Yeah, dies? like when it dies, you get four mana. Uh, I guess Cathodian would be another one. That's the one yeah. where you get three. Mana. Yeah, I think that's another. I could fit that criteria. Yeah, where if like goes to the grave from anywhere, kind of thing. And you know, it's, it's an it's an option for it. Like, it, I would imagine that'd be really yeah with Wild Mongrel or Psychotog, that would just be ridiculous. It's like. Suchi, go and, uh, Psychotog, or untap with Psychotog, Suchi, and then, I don't know, upheaval, and then do some fun stuff or something. <laughs> that would just be ridiculous. Right, well, didn't, uh, well, Zodiac Dragon for a while had that stigma to it as well, right? Because I think originally the card said, if it's put into your grain, into your graveyard, you can return it to your hand. Yeah, and I so think it was... go infinite with Wild Mongrel, and then they wound up uh, Oracle texting it to that it has to go um, from play, you know, from the battlefield. Then you can put it back in your hand. Yeah. So it was that, something like that. Or that can do that sort of thing. I guess is related. Yeah, and that card. I don't know how much that's worth now. Like I remember, it used to be it's like one hundred and fifty. I mean, it's always been like a hundred, hundred and fifty. The Portal wow. Three Kingdoms cards are just super expensive, and that guy's not even good. It's a Zodiac Dragon. He doesn't even fly. 
Yeah, it's seven, it's nine mana, eight, eight, non-flying. It just, it's just a dude. But when it dies, you get to put it back in your hand. Wow. Looking at Portal 3 Kingdoms cards, like, you know, Lujune, the, uh, the, the horsemanship with Magpie, the horsemanship Magpie, like, okay. before it was like, set, like, eight bucks, and now it's twenty. Like, I guess because of EDH or something, but gee, that's, yep. wow. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of those cards have gotten uh, have gotten a, a bump from from actually being able to play, you know, EDH. And now that we're much more of a, a world economy with being able to buy and sell so many cards over the internet, um, it's easier to obtain those kind of cards. So I think they they gain a little bit of a value that they're just more accessible. Yeah, um, and people, and so more people can get their hands on them. So now, I I think that's about all the functional errata that you actually have to change how the card works that I can think of. Um, like functionally how the card works. Um, not not a, not a, hey, well, I think this guy should be a 2-3 instead of a 2-2. Two, two. Um, like I said, there might be things we're missing, but, you know, we're just here to give you some info. Um, now recently, there was a, there's an article over in Channel Fireball, and we had discussions too, and of what I'm going to call sweeping errata. That you basically just make giant sweeping changes to your cube, in order to make things better, make things worse, mix things up a little bit. Um, and you read that article too, right? Yeah, like I, I don't remember, like I think I, I read it, but I don't know how much of a read I gave to it, but it was, but I did go through it, yeah. And well, we'll one, link it in the show notes for sure so you guys can see it. Yeah, so, so then I can give it a full read or something, but the, uh, the guy was essentially talking about uh, making aggro more viable, and well, making white aggro more viable. Oh, yeah, right. And the way he, he said to do it was to uh, errata some cre- add the creature type rebel to a bunch of a bunch of creatures so you can search him up with the rebel uh, searchers like Ramosian Sergeant and Defiant Falcon and, and all that fun stuff. Lin Civi. Oh, yeah, Lin Civi. That kind of... That kind of craziness. Yeah, and he had, um, and unfortunately, I was I was waiting for a a complete list of cards of what he did, of what he changed, because it seemed very. Uh, with the the information in the article was um, it explained why he did it, but he never gave a list of what cards he did. He only showed like basically what looked like a nutso draft deck with a lot of those cards. And he listed them which ones were rebels. Um, I would have liked to have seen a complete list to know or his thought process and why he chose certain cards. But I think he mainly isolated them to what would be considered white weenie creatures. Things yeah, like, like white knight. Uh, uh... Yeah, white knight, knight of the white orchid, uh, figure of destiny. I think was one because you know that card's not good enough as it is. <laughs> it is um, rebel. Oh my god, card's so good. Um, what other ones? Uh, Core Skyfisher, I think, was another one who changed into a rebel. Um, and, and I think some of the more, like, shenanigan, like, enter the battlefield, and it comes into play effects. Like Stone Cloaker make... or something? Yeah, like, I, I, I guess. I, I, I could see Stone Cloaker being one of them, or, you know, I don't know. I, I, don't, I wouldn't know if he changed it. That's why I wanted to see a complete list to see what he actually did with it. But yeah. he said that it has served him very well in actually making um, his white weenie strategies 
uh, much more effective. Um, and because apparently he was having trouble with the aggro cards. Uh, and I don't know, like, yeah, having not played it, it I, I can't speak speak to it. But um, all I know is that it seems like if you want to help out the aggressive strategies, um, having to sit around and wait to tap your guys for three or four mana instead of attacking with them doesn't seem like the exact type of plan that you want. It seems much more of a mid-rangey plan of like turning your white weenie deck into, instead of having it be an aggressive deck, turning it into a very resilient mid-game strategy, which is yeah, still white weenie, but it's not what I would consider aggressive white weenie. You well, know what I mean? The, the, thing that I thought, the thing that I thought about it was like, it, it gives the aggressive decks more reach, but I don't think that aggressive decks really have that as a problem. Like, I think it's more them needing more early drops kind of thing. Like, I don't think they're, like, needing to reach... Like, the early game is where they win, for the most part, and then the late game, you know, like, if they have to reach the late game and whatever, then they're not thrilled so, about it. But adding more and to that's that... What, and that's he's mentioned as the problem, is that um, in their cube, the only way the white weenie decks were winning is if they resolved the turn four Armageddon. And that if, you know, if you just waited around and countered the Armageddon, you couldn't lose. Yeah, and I also don't think that's, that, I don't think that's really correct either. I mean, either. maybe that was the case, maybe that was the case for them, but, you know, I'm, like I said, having not drafted it, um, I, you know, I can't tell you, you know, good, bad, or whatever. I'm sure it's amusing. I'm sure it's fun. Uh, you know, someone trying to kill your rebel and Lindsay being in a, uh, a course skyfisher to pick it up and, Lots of gotcha plays and things like that, and I'm, I'm sure it makes the deck much more resilient. I'm sure the game has, I'm sure it has much more game. Um, you know, I have some other issues with it that uh, I expressed um, in the forum over there, just because not, not necessarily problems with it, but just questions about it. Like I just wasn't convinced that it, it was solving the problem they want solved necessarily. But once again, if they're having fun with it and they like it and it's amusing to them. By all means, man, go to it. I mean, I don't, and I don't mean to say that condescendingly at all. I, I, I really mean like if that's if that's what they found works, awesome. Um, I'm fortunate that um, my white decks seem to be functioning okay without having to take a measure like that. But that, it's an option, you know, if if you're having trouble with it. By all means, uh, take a look in the show notes and, and and take a read and see if that something like that might work for you. Uh, a similar. A similar thing I had seen recently too is that a uh, uh, a friend of mine in uh, Reno this uh, was having a similar trouble with what with his white weenie deck, um, not his white weenie, but his white weenie deck. <laughs> and uh, what he did was he actually took a slightly different tack, and all of the creatures, all the white weenie creatures that were riding horses in their artwork, got horsemanship, and. Uh, Made a, making them uh, right, making making you know a, a lot of them unblockable to basically give white give those white creatures a chance to get through blockers, and uh, I mean you know if you, I guess if you're including a bunch of the other horsemanship cards too, things like rolling earthquake, then you know obviously that would weak you know that would strengthen that card. Uh, or it would make it weaker. Or, I guess that really depends. Like it would be weaker versus like the white ducks, but yeah, if you draft around it like. Kind of like wildfire with a bunch of pro red guys, kind of thing. Like if you draft 
a bunch of pre-red. Well, yeah, you can just right. It just makes this card stronger in your deck. So if you're like white weenie splash red, you just crush yeah. that uh, rolling earthquake because you're just going to be able to wrap your opponent and and get your own guys through. So once again, uh, can't say. I mean, it's amusing to me. I mean, I remember having conversations in the early days of Magic where, uh, you know, or inebriated conversations or, or what have you of, well, hey, man, that Silver Knight is wearing metal armor, and I'm hitting it with lightning. How is it not dead? I don't care if it's protection from red. Does it have protection from being dead? <laughs> like electricity? Like, you know, having conversations like that. And I think that very much goes towards that sort of thing of, hey, that thing's riding a horse. It should have horsemanship. And, you know, kind of getting the artwork involved, which uh, is, I, I don't know, is, it, is that the which player type is that? Is that the Vorthos type that you yeah, have to I think play? It's it's very important. That, yeah, that sounds right. That it's like the, the card as a whole, you know, the, the flavor text and the artwork, that it's all kind of very important. So... Once again, you know, I'm not doing it because we've, you know, I've been fortunate enough to have it work, but hey man, Kenny, Kenny likes it and, and finds it, you know, they find it fun, so yeah man, whatever. Down. Yeah. You know, lots of people like asparagus too. <laughs> I don't, asparagus I'm not going to hate on asparagus. I, yeah. I just don't eat it myself. I mean, sewer rat may taste like pumpkin pie, et cetera, but yeah. you know. <laughs> Very true. Not saying that those things are, not those saying those things are sewer rat, but just no. want to take it. Just wanted to take a minute to uh, amuse myself with a movie quote. So, well, you want to talk a little bit about always... the, uh, the next topic? Yeah, there's a uh, you know some kind of, like re- uh, misprints on cards, like uh, you know where it was printed wrong in a different language, and using that those versions of the cards. You know, do you think that would also include things like? Uh, isn't there like a uh, a Sarah uh, a time elemental? Sarah Angel or like the Blue Hurricane or I, I know people have uh what about what is it Serendib a free I know some people play it as a green card <laughs> Oh cuz it has the green wow Yeah that makes I can see that but yeah that's another one And yeah same with the Blue Hurricane which makes sense cuz you know a hurricane you usually think of as blue you know usually think of it as like a got like water and whatever I don't know, but yeah, it's kind of a similar thing where using the uh, the non the uh, whatever the incorrect version, it usually it makes it more powerful. Like the biggest example I can think of is the I forget, I think it was the Spanish Maloku. Yes, Spanish where Maloku. It, where it, instead of making one one illusions because uh, they're not good enough, the one one flying illusions. My bad. Instead, they're two two flying illusions. That seems fair. Yeah, it's totally fair. I mean, can you imagine at that pre-release, someone's like, hey, I open this card to, like, return my cards to my hand, like, make a bunch of flying tutus. Like, how pissed off were people at, like, oh, my God, he drew Maloku again. Like, how is this card even real? Like, they were probably going crazy. Like, oh, my God, this card's going to be just the most ridiculous tournament bomb ever. And Mm -hmm. granted, they were still right. The card's still insane, but, you know. Not yeah, not not at, yeah, they're not two twos. I wonder if like, I wonder if anybody does the thing with like, remember how Giant Solifuge was spoiled as a four three? Oh right, yeah, I remember that. I, I remember. I wonder if people like sometimes do that. God, that card would be nuts. Though, as a four three, I can't believe oh, people. Yeah. 
I can't believe people thought it was legit, too. They were like, yeah, that, that seems fair. Like, three toughness on a creature that you have to kill with creatures? That, that seems fair, right? Right, yeah, I don't right. understand the problem with this. This seems... This seems are they like, this, this card sucks, it dies to Wrath. Or it dies to Bolt. Oh, wait, no, it doesn't. Oh, wait, no, it doesn't. Never mind. Yeah. Uh, another one, one of them that I actually use in my cube, because, once again, I don't mind a little bit of goofiness, is the Japanese Curse Scroll uh, has an activation cost of two instead of three. Oh, yeah, in case, again, in case it needs to be even better, it's like, yep. Right, you're right, because card's not good enough as it is. But, you know, I, you know, it's, there isn't a foil one out there, and in my mind, the Japanese misprint one is the impish version available. So that's the one I obtained, and after looking at it, I'm like, hey, man, card says right on it that, it's, that it costs two mana. Like, yeah. let's run with it. Sure, why not? Now, granted, you know, these can all be ignored at any point in time. If you're if your play group or the current group that you're playing with are are kind of stodgy and or they they're not a fan of of not playing cards according to the Oracle text, you, know, you just ignore it. You just play the you know everybody knows what Curse Scroll does, so you just play yeah. it the way it's printed. So you know these aren't that's not necessarily something that's you know well wait what am I supposed to do like with the the wishes or you know. Nissa Ravain or, or whatever that you have to actually bend some rules to make work. It's just, you know, hey, this sounds printing. And, mm-hmm. uh, a, a goofy one that, that I use in, in my cube as well, once again, because apparently the card's not good enough, is the, uh, the reprint of Reflecting Pool, which was in, uh, what's that? Shadowmore? Yeah, yeah. The, if you look at the foil version, it actually has the white mana symbol in the middle of it. Um, the foiling, they accidentally put the white mana symbol on the foil copy. It's not on the regular copies. So we actually, uh, we actually, uh, stated that it taps for white mana. Always. Because it's got a white mana symbol right on it. Might as well be a planes. So. That's true. Wow, that makes it like a super planes right there. Oh, oh, of course it is. I mean, obviously it's ridiculous. It becomes something like City of Ass at that point where it's just, you know, hardly no, no drawback or whatever. And you can go, uh, you can go tutor it up with a fetch land, and you can, uh, you know, do all kinds of stuff with it. So, But, you know, it says it right on there, so who are we to uh, argue with what the card says? Wait, don't you have uh, don't you also errata to be a planes also? Yeah, 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 it's planes. That's what I said. Yeah, you can tutor it up with uh, fetch lands. Okay. That's yeah, it's, awesome. got the, it's, got the, it's got the plane symbol right on it. I mean, I can, I'm looking at the card. It's got that plane symbol right there, once again. Yeah. Don't mind a little bit of goofiness and, you know, I probably can count the number of times on one hand where that's actually mattered. You know, usually it's just a reflecting pool, so it's awesome. Hmm. Makes sense. Mostly, most of the time, I, you know, I, I remember having a Boros deck once or twice that, you know, tutored it up and was like, yeah, check it out, it's a plane. Just had my opponent go, oh, no. We got a good laugh about it. And Jeez. I didn't really. You know, it would have been just fine as a planes too. It wasn't like, man, I really needed this other red mana, or I just got it instead of a plateau in my deck. You know, just so I could show it to them. So yeah. you know, it hasn't really been, <laughs> hasn't really affected things that much, as yeah. much as you. Anyway, so makes sense. All right. Well, the last uh, the the last little the bit I like to talk about here is uh, what I like to call like just straight up like little silly uh, small erratas or silly erratas to. Um, just add some fun to your cards. Uh, mm-hmm. I know a lot of people don't dig this. Um, 
I know a lot of people, and I can totally understand why. I also get, you know, people where it's one of those things where it might be fun to visit, but it, you don't want to live there type things. Like, yeah, I really enjoy playing this cube because he's got these, like, little, he's got these cards in it. But, you know, it's just not for me, and I don't want to deal with my cube. Kind of the way I feel about power. Is yeah, that I, I was going to say. I playing with it, but I don't want to do it all the time. And, uh, yeah, it's like visiting, uh, I wouldn't say Detroit, but like visiting. Yeah, because Detroit's uh, not a visit either. I mean, the first time I was there, I don't know if I ever told you that going there for a PTQ, uh, not only did we see someone outside the uh, neutral ground Detroit get uh, bent over uh, their front hood by a police officer and searched, but we also watched someone as we were leaving town basically drive straight into a telephone pole who must have been drunk. I was what? Like, oh. Welcome to Detroit. Yeah, it was the same weekend, too. That was also the same weekend where uh, I, I first was introduced and, and met Pat Chapin, who went around the PTQ dancing around with a bucket of chicken and was dancing huh. with his bucket of chicken and handing out pieces of fried chicken to, to everybody who was his friend during the PTQ. That was, wow. Uh, it, was, it was a pretty eventful weekend. That's for Jeez. sure. In Detroit. That's wow. for sure. And I heard Jerome Bettis from there too. I, I thought he played a Super Bowl there or something. I don't know. I don't remember. That must have mentioned that all the news. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I kind of remember hearing something about that, but I don't know if, uh, I don't know if that was really covered. I don't know. You guys who watch football might have to remind me if that was something that they talked about at all. But <laughs> I have a couple of them and, uh, these are the ones that I, that I like to do with some of my cards. I don't do a whole lot of them. Um, but the, probably the biggest one and, uh, that we use is my uh, Umazawa's Chitta. Basically, uh, the cube rules on it is that you have to pick it first. Um, if you open it in the pack, you are not allowed to pass it. Now, this, you know, comes from, you know, sort of comes from the uh, getting it, you know, getting it passed to you in that limited format. Because the card was basically unbeatable and limited. Uh, I don't know if any of you have or did the, uh, the cock block traps at all, but... It was it was just absurd, obviously. You guys know how absurd it is in Constructed, or in Cube even, so I'm sure you know how, you can only imagine how insane it is in a limited format. But the, uh, I, I was talking to uh, Adam Prozac today, who, uh, for my early days of the Cube, was kind of the, my Cube manager, like I owned the Cube, but he, he kept it, since I didn't play as much as he did, he always had it, so he got a lot of the playing time in. And the way it actually wound up this way, I just, you know, was reminded of this today, was that uh, someone actually, we used to lend cards out of the cube to people because it was always like our extra copies of cards. You know what I mean? Like, well, I have my play set of these, but I have one in the cube too. And so if someone asks you, hey, can I borrow one? You're like, oh, yeah, I have an extra one here. Um, and what we would do is we would have make people make proxies out of commons and write their name on it so that way we knew who to chase down afterwards to get the card huh. back. Um, so that way, if we wanted to cube between rounds, we could still cube because we still had the card in the cube. You know, it was just a, a proxy. And uh, the guy who borrowed it, Greg, um, actually wrote on the cube, on the on the JIT proxy, pick me first, and put his name on it. Oh. <laughs> he was just like, man, we really like that. So, So we ran with it. And to this day, my uh, Umazawa Shitta in my cube says, pick me first, cube rules, and uh, you have to do it. 
even when you do something like rotisserie draft, you lay the entire cube out and you find out who gets first pick and someone's like, yes, I have first pick. And you're like, here you go. Have a nice right. hit. <laughs> so, but granted, to be honest, there are very few times where that card is opened that you hate yourself for wanting to, for having to take it. Granted, it happens sometimes, but it's kind of funny when it does anyway, so. I was about to say, it's not very often, no. No, not very often, but you know what it is? It is really funny to just hear someone at the other end of the table go, oh no! And you're like, yeah, you open the jib, you don't have any creatures in your deck, yeah! You know, one of those type of things. Uh, yeah. I also run, um, a couple other ones, uh, based on an old internet meme, Amy. I don't even know how you, how you pronounce it. Um, I usually say meme. Meme? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I actually have to look up how it's pronounced because it's one of those words I don't know if I've ever said before or right now. It's usually just a word that I type. Um, yeah. <laughs> our, our juggernaut, uh, in the cube says, uh, yell, I'm the juggernaut, bitch. <laughs> and the game takes until end of turn. And that's based on an, an, an old video that someone posted on YouTube. And once again, we can, we can link it up in the, uh, in the show notes and you guys can, can, can see it. But it's amusing. You know, it obviously makes the card better. Uh, people are starting to cut the card from their cube. Um, because, you know, cards like Lodestone Golem, I feel, are just, I like Lodestone Golem better than I like Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, and it's at that magical four spot. So I don't mind having, you know, that card be a little a little extra powerful. And then plus two, people are like, I'm the drunker now, man. You're like, no, oh, yeah. no, no. No, no, no. You got to do it with emotion. You, you got to wait. Other people in the store or in the event hall have to look and like, what are you doing? That's <laughs> the way to it. Otherwise, you know, how can it be hasty if he's not mad enough, you know, if they're not mad enough to yell it? So. He's like, I'm... Uh, I'm the juggernaut, bitch. Right. Uh, you know, right. People are like, yeah, I'm the juggernaut. Nope. Yeah, and then they try to attack with it. You're like, no. There's <laughs> <laughs> not nearly angry enough. Uh, and the last one I do, at least for my cube, is uh, Exalted Angel. Now, Exalted Angel lived in my cube for a very long time because it's a really good creature. And then they went ahead and they printed this mechanic. What was it called? Um, Del? What do when you attack, your guy gets bigger if they attack by themselves? Battle Cry? No, because that gives your other guys plus one, plus one. Um, oh, uh, come on, you know what one is. Exalted? Exalted, yes. Oh, there we go. I personally did want, not want to live in a world where Exalted Angel didn't have Exalted. So I wrote it on the card. And it's even been signed by the artist since then, too. So nice. it's official. It has. <laughs> I want to get Richard Garfield to sign it, too. But Rob Alexander already has. I uh, have the, the super sweet promo one that I was lucky enough to get. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So my Exalted Angel has Exalted because, basically, I didn't want to live in a world where a card that has it right now. I, if I ran Exalted Dragon, isn't that a card? I would, that guy would have oh, I think, isn't yeah. that the... Uh... I'm trying to think, is that the one that's a uh, plane cycles, or am I thinking of? No, that's just the. Uh, that's it's like dragon. something horrible. Oh yeah, that card's horrible. I just looked it up. Ey. Yeah, Exalted Dragon says 
Um, it is a six mana five five flying. It says each turn exalted dragon cannot attack unless you sacrifice a land. Man, how far we have gone. Yeah. Like and now that you say at that cost. Yeah. There's also uh that and personal incarnation, just wow. Yeah, there's there's Man. some impressive ones. Look at it. You can take, you know, I, I only took the whole exalted thing to one card, but I mean I could see people getting really silly with their cubes and doing things, for example, like, well, uh isn't there a car isn't there a card called uh uh what is it called? Swamp um Swamp Mosquito, for example. Or Oh, like, oh Swamp Mosquito taps for black. Ah. It says swamp right in the name. Or you know, I you know, I don't know. You could you could get really silly with, with those kinds of things if you wanted, but for me, it was just all about Exalted Angel. Um, I think that's that's about what about what I do for the the small radas. I don't know if you've seen any any other things like that. Uh, not that I can really think of. I'm trying to think of any other uh, keywords and trying to see if I can like Google them to see if there's any like translations. Like if uh, haste is like there's a card that's like in German like a haste man or something, which is like. You know, some guy, like, Siege Gang Commander. You know, like, where the translation has haste in the name. But, I don't know, I can't really find anything like that. But that could be an option. I mean, I'm sure, yeah, it might exist in in some way. Like, I mean, we're all, you know, because we're all small children, we're all amused by cards like that. Like, the French foil, like, French Delay, for example. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Or, uh, what, what language was it? German... Wild mongrel? mongrel? Yeah, it's like savage, matar, bastard. Yeah, it was German. It was like sav. I think I'll, I'll go look that up, but yeah, I'm pretty sure it's the uh, it's the German. Like, or or was it French? Maybe it might have been French. It like, sounds a little French. Yeah, batard salvage. Right. Is the French like uh, a wild mongrel? Bastard. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, wild mongrel is a savage bastard. Yeah. I'm going to need one of those for my cube. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, there are things like that. And if you guys uh, have any other ideas uh, or anything else um, about erratas that you guys use, please hit us up. Uh, let us know what you do. Um, and like I said, I found a lot of these, you know, the ones that I use. I don't use a ton of them, but uh, to be pretty amusing if you like some silly things or, you know, maybe these are, you know, suggestions kind of spruce yourself you know, spruce your cube up or just to kind of get an idea of what other people uh, around uh, around the world basically are, are doing with their cubes. Um, we live in such a global community now, it's always kind of nice to, to have these you know, avenues to, to discover what other people are doing. And, you know, who knows, maybe you'll find something that, that you like in all this. So I know quite a few people who um, have really enjoyed the, the, the Juggernaut. Uh, yeah, the Juggernaut one, I think... Like- I think it was like uh, you know Anthony Eason, the guy, the uh, somebody who played on like the U.S. Nationals OMG name drop. He uh, he who was in uh, Memphis when he uh, when when we uh, you know when I was there and and you were there and I, he I think he was the one who did the juggernaut. He was like and he played it and, and you know he's kind of like a his voice isn't like most of the time it isn't like it's there aren't a lot of highs and lows. It's just kind of like kind of neutral. And then when he said, okay. you know, I'm like, I'm the jar, he just kind of said it in a normal voice, like, 
I'm the juggernaut bitch. And then I think you weren't playing him. I think you were to his diagonal. You're like, no, what the, what are you doing? You gotta <laughs> say, you gotta say, it doesn't have haste. And then I think, I think he said it with some force afterwards. And I was like, yeah, he awesome. did. Yeah. I was like, there you go. Yeah, and you know, like, I am sure he didn't, you know, and you know, I didn't talk to him, but I'm sure he didn't go away from that, that cube draft thinking to himself, man, I wish he wouldn't have made me yell. That wasn't no. fun at all. You know what I mean? If, like, if he did, I'm gonna have to give him like infinite grief. <laughs> he doesn't seem like the type who would do that. But yeah, you know, I, 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 I don't know what he's thinking. But you know what I mean? It's you know these things are a, a lot of them that I do are just to just to you know increase the fun factor a little bit for whether yeah. it be from a, a literary standpoint or you know a silliness standpoint. So I don't know. I, I think like also, some of them. Some of them I don't agree with. Some of the earlier ones, but you know whatever. Didn't you say also, like, sometimes, like, if you're drafting with some people and they're not really big on, like, like say, like, if they do, like, complain or, you know, if they're just not down with, like, the erratas, like, the exalted angel, you'll be like, okay, fine, you know, it's, it's yeah. no skin off my back or whatever. Yeah, but, I mean, no big deal. Yeah, it was like, you know, it's not a pro tour. I mean, it's, you know, I'm not, you know, different strokes for different folks. I think it's fine. Like, you know, I'm not, like, I definitely don't have stuff like that in my cube, but, you know, like you said, it's, like, it's not sanctioned or anything, like, I don't... Right, but even you had fun having me yell at somebody that they didn't yell about the juggernaut. Yeah, for sure, I mean, I definitely remember that, <laughs> I remember that story, I mean, I wasn't even the target of it, I was, I was, no, I think he played against me, yeah, Easton played against me, and I think he played juggernaut, and you were like, he's like, I'm, I'm the juggernaut, bitch, and you're like, no, <laughs> and then he attacked. So I guess I was kind of indirect to that story, but, yeah, I mean, it was definitely well, entertaining. You didn't even play the card, and, you know, and you had fun, you know, regarding the story, too. Or, you know, a lot of people, you know, really appreciate, uh, probably more than anything, the Exalted Angel story. Because I'm like, look, man, I, I, I don't want to live in that world. And they're like, talk but fair. I'm down. We're yeah. in. No, great. You know, that, and that happens. You'll get a lot more forgiveness, I've found, from non-pros than people who actually are pros. I find that a lot of the people who uh, who are big uh, big pros, especially people who, inter- some of the international guys, um, are not a big fan of the errata. They just want to play the cards straight up. You know, which once again, no big deal. Just run them straight up. You know, yeah. that's fine. The, the, my, my cube quality doesn't, I don't feel like my cube quality suffers at all if people don't want to play that way. Where I feel like those sweeping changes, like the rebelizing or the horseyizing, I think the especially the rebelizing. I think if you if you come across people who don't want to do that, I think the obviously the power of your cube goes down significantly in that color because you're adding things like rebel searchers that aren't necessarily powerful creatures on their own, um, and your your you know their their power is being marginalized because the reason why they're in there is because you've made changes to increase them. So the small ones well, uh, have have better uh shiftability for people who don't like it. So Well I think uh oh, man, I forgot what I was gonna say now. Ah, oh well. But I, I think I might have been I think I might have said something like Eason got payback because uh like and maybe just because I think this is an entertaining story. But uh he had a, a mirror crusader and I was at like ten or something. Okay. And I was like, okay. Uh, and then, you know, I figured he could attack, but I had nothing really to block, and he's like, Bonehorde, equip, 
bash, and I was like, and he had there was a bunch of stuff in the graves, and I was like, oh, sad. <laughs> so, so he got revenge for the juggernaut. Yeah, Fear Crusader wears equipment pretty well. If you guys aren't, yeah. if you guys like equipment in your cube, and you guys aren't playing Mirror Crusader, yeah, might want to. But I want to try to pick up one of those. That guy, uh, that guy plays pretty well with the uh, the toys. That's for sure. All I want is one more good living weapon. My God, I just want one more good living weapon. But yeah, I think I, I definitely one. like. They brought it back, so we might get one. Yeah, I was so glad they didn't pull the middle set mechanic thing, like fading and ninjutsu and all that, all that junk. It was like we got this great mechanic. Meh. Let's uh oh another one. I didn't think of, ev- well, actually, I don't know. Evoke, I guess, kind of counts, maybe. I mean, it was a well, two-part was set. In the, Evoke was in the first set, though. Well, I mean, it was, yeah, in the first two sets, and then they just, like, left it alone. Like, I think the thing I was thinking was, like, Revel Arc, where the Evoke, when they leave play, like, I just loved Evoke. That was a was a great mechanic. But a side, yeah, side it's a topic. Real, it's a really neat mechanic, I think. Yeah, I, I agree. But I think, yeah, like, for the most part, you know, I think there was somebody... Was I think we were cubing at a store, and somebody was being I forget I think somebody was I think somebody did something like and they wanted to take back I'm like man I don't care say the pro tour and you know and cube is is inherently a is a casual you know it is essentially a build your own format and I think mm-hmm. even with stuff like Erratas it's kind of another take it's a, you know it's a riff on that essentially where you can you know do you wanna do you wanna use Snowlands yeah. You can do that, or you can't do that. I mean, it's like, that's fine. And even when I did that, like, when I was running Snow, like, the only real change I had was Scred. And then once I was like, eh, I don't, I don't want to do Snow anymore, I just took out Scred. And everything was, for the most part, fine. And even if, like... Yeah, I mean, there's not a whole lot of, of Snow cards that you need Snow mana to... that are, that are cube powerful enough. I mean, right, you have, like, the Yeti... Which you know could be good. You have there's what is it? Jellid shackles. Is that the yeah? Jellid shackles. Yeah, and that's really, really good. And another thing I was gonna br- I I forgot to bring up when the whole snow thing is there's a card called Cold Snap, which is like two sure. and a white, and it had like a cumulative upkeep of I think a white mana, and you each player during their upkeep takes damage equal to the number of snow lands that they have. And somebody suggested it back when, you know, people were running more snow cubes. I know, I think Kenny Mayer still does. Uh, I can't think of many other people that do right now. But for me, the problem with Cold Snap, the card, not the set. Set, I got pr- plenty of problems with the set. But set that, its own issues. Yeah, the set, oh, especially in draft. Oh. The problem I had with that card was that it essentially, there's so many incentives to play non-basics, like, uh, a taiga over a uh, mountain or a forest. Yeah, I mean, granted, there's non-basic land hate, for the, but for the most part, it's an upgrade playing a taiga over a mountain or whatever. And, like, I don't... Giving their... Like, oh, here's another disincentive for you to pay, play basics. You take damage. Right. Yeah, there you go. Like, like, you essentially... I don't know, it's kind of... I'm trying to think of how to quite articulate it, but it's kind of like you're getting punished for something that you really didn't have a choice in. Like, if you want to include a bunch of artifacts... Right, unless you, uh... Unless you had both Snow Basics and Regular Basics available, and forced people to make a choice that if they wanted to play Snow-Covered Lands, they could, but if they wanted to play Regular Lands. I think that's the only way to mitigate something like the Cold Snap card. 
but it also makes it really narrow that if, you know... Yeah, if your opponent has uh, no dot deck. Right, you just like, well, let's draft this here, cold snap or whatever, and unless you're, you know, if you're playing sideboards, fine, I guess you could sideboard it and put it in or take it out against the snow or non-snow decks, but I don't know, I just feel like there's better things you could be, better, like, better ways to spend your energy in card slots than something like cold snap. Yeah. If you're, and if you're doing this thing. Yeah, and I think, like, even when I was running snow basics, they were just basics. I, I don't want to spend all that money on snow basics. Like, that's, that just seemed ridiculous. I was like, no. Uh, I think I'll just, I'll have a bunch of basics, and, and I'm like, they're all snow. There you go. But I think that's another thing. Uh, I think we kind of mentioned it earlier, and I just maybe want to reiterate it. It's like, if you are running the erratas in your cube, definitely give people a heads up. Like, if they look at, like, say, the, uh, like, the, uh, Oh, snap it again. The uh, re- the reflecting pool, for example, and they just kind of look at it and then find out later that it's a planes. Like that could be a little awkward. So I think if you're going to sure. run the erratas, definitely let them know. Or if somebody like hold looks at the juggernaut and they're like, "Does this really have haste?" And you know, definitely let them know. It's like, yeah, that's how I roll. Like this is this has. Yeah, haste I always try to let people know ahead of time that uh, text on the cards plays. Um, yeah, and, and you definitely. I always ask, is everybody okay with this? You know that there's not a lot of them, but there's text in some of the cards. It's very obvious which cards have it. Um, you know, we made a big deal of outlining the white mana symbol on the reflecting pool, so people can see it. So you know, and just let people know ahead of time like what the deal is, and and people are starting to get wise enough now that you know I do it, and and people are starting to ask it when they sit down to draft your cube for the first time. They say. Hey, what is your cube like? And you can tell them it's got power, it doesn't have power, it has mana or not, it's got a bunch of rebels cards, so, so look out, there's a bunch of rebel cards, and you know, there's there's uncards, so look out for those, you know what I mean? Just just let people know what, what's going on ahead of time. And I found that for the most part people are uh people are pretty happy to draft whatever as long as they know what they're what they're in for. As opposed to surprising them with things. Yeah. It's like, oh, there you go, surprise. <laughs> yeah, surprise, all these cards are actually Rebels that you passed me. Yeah, I got the Rebel deck. Wait, what? Oh, uh-oh. <laughs> nice 3-0 deck there. Right, exactly. All right, man, well, this has been fun talking about this stuff, and hopefully some people will uh, let us know what they've found, and we can uh, we can add to the bank of uh, erratas and, and different things people are doing out there. So. Yep. And, we'll uh, let people we, know how they can get a hold of us. Yep. Maybe we got the, uh, the show email, mtg the third power at gmail.com. And, uh, we got, we got the Twitters. And we might be doing a, uh, like we're considering doing a standalone Twitter for the podcast. I don't, if we do, I don't, I don't know, we'll name it. If I'm in charge of naming it, I'll probably do something really uncreative and terrible. Like the, the third power MTG, <laughs> which is how we got that email. <laughs> which, by the way, I actually looked up the third power both with spelling it out and three RD, and both of those names are actually already taken on Twitter. What? Boo! Yep. So we'll have to come up with something. But if you guys would like to see something like that, I mean, let us know. Otherwise, you can just uh, we have our personal Twitters, Usman the Rad for. Yep. My boy Usman here and myself, I am Anthony42. Uh, 
Wait, did we introduce ourselves at the beginning of the episode, or did we forget again? I don't know. I hope people know who we are by now. I mean, I hope so anyway. We're double digits, and we got our names on the uh, on the MTG cast thing. But yay! Yep. Yeah, names. Yeah, I think we are. We're we have names. And there's There's the comments, the uh, show forum. There's the the blog. You want to tell people about that? Yeah, uh, I'd rather be cubing. Wordpress. Com. Uh, since I'm an idiot, I forgot to do the uh, uh, crack a pack for the last one. Like I did, the, I actually took a picture. I just didn't transfer it yet over to the, uh, you know, to the to the computer and didn't upload it yet for the last crack a pack. But uh, oops, I'll, yeah, I, I'm yeah. That's that's how I roll terribly. <laughs> but uh, you well, know, I'll you do know both. now too. Now too, once I get you know a, a little less lazy with that kind of stuff. Uh, I will hopefully be adding some stuff to the uh, – I can help out with getting those pictures up on that WordPress as well, as well yeah. as an updated cube list because all my cube lists that are available online are all a little bit out of date. So one of these days I need to go around and update them all so you guys know where uh, where we're coming from. Yeah, I, I think probably once I get some more – I might blog about uh, you know some of the – like once I get more experience with the uh, Mirrodin, like or no, new Phyrexia cards. Man, all these new sets, crazy. But like once I get more experience, like if I'm like, like I should have totally done it with Bonehorde. I've been like, man, this card's ridiculous. I mean, it's not ridiculous, but I should have been like, man, this card seems good for Cube. Here's why. But all I think all the only thing on Twitter, I, I think I just did some little blurb thing on Twitter, being like, hey, you all should test Bonehorde and Cube. It's good. Crickets. Like oh okay, there we go. Right. But yeah, we'll we'll probably start you know ramping up you know or at least we'll try to get more blog content up there. But we'll have both crack packs for this week and last week or last episode and this episode and you know all that you know fun fun stuff. Uh, and the we have a third power podcast thread on uh, FGG Salvation's Cube Forum. I think that's it really. Like you know. That should be enough ways for people to get a hold of us. That's for sure. Yeah, we got. Yeah, I think that I think that covers the basis. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Give it a thumbs up. Should be good. Yep. All right, well. man. Well, it was fun doing it again. I'm glad we're uh, getting back on a regular schedule here. I'm looking forward to to delving into some uh, new topics here going forward as well. So. Sweet. Well, you Very know cool. that leaves. Oh man, only one thing left to left to do and left to say. Rock over London. Rock on, Chicago. Mercadian Masks. Instant gratification. See you guys next week.